Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Ken Cladoris. Let me give you a quick background on Ken before we jump into the episode. Ken is an esteemed wealth advisor and author of Get There, Chart Your Course to Financial Abundance and Live the Life You Desire. Ken believes life should be lived by design. Charting his own course in the wealth management industry, Ken earned the respect of his peers and the trust of his clientele. Most recently, he developed an online course entitled Stillness to Success, which provides a valuable resource for individuals who are ready to create real change in their lives. Ken compiled this course with practical and impactful lessons he extracted from years of his own self-study with a spin that is fresh and relevant to the 2021 world we are all experiencing. The online course includes a series of lessons that are broken out into consecutive modules, each of which begins with a breathing exercise to help individuals become present before they embark on their curriculum. Those who participate in the course can expect to complete it feeling more empowered and better equipped to navigate their personal and professional day-to-day decision-making. Outside of the office, Ken's love of the ocean led him to pursuing sailing. It is there that he also found his passion to give back to the community, In his spare time, he can be found with friends and loved ones aboard a powerboat, sailboat, or at community events. I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Ken. And without further ado, please welcome in Ken Cladoris. Ken, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to uh, have you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to chat with you a little bit. And, you know, your journey seemed like a unique one. So I'm definitely uh, excited to pry in a little bit to that. And obviously, with some of the stuff being a, a wealth advisor, um, I'm you know hopeful to get some of your insight and maybe some backs. I know that's a big part of getting started with a lot of folks is around finances and money and, you know, what should I do or what shouldn't I do or, you know, those type of things. Um and I don't know, maybe that's a place to start. And then we'll kind of go in a rabbit hole from there, if that's okay. I'm actually curious about this. I ask this to a lot of folks, especially that probably have a better understanding than I do about finances and, and money and those things is what was your, when you were younger, what were your beliefs about money? And then how did they shift over the years? Or if there's one or two, maybe big shifts or epiphanies that you had, let's start there. And, and maybe that'll get us down to a few different uh, areas. That's a lot to start with. I mean, we're just jumping right in. I like it. I do. I jump into the deep end. I mean, you know, it's let's just do it. Yeah. Um, so I think growing up, my thoughts around money were similar to most people. I think that, you know, it's, you always heard those statements of, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. There's not enough money. You have to be conservative, save a lot, all of that. And that's how I grew up. And then, when I started doing my, I would say my spiritual journey and my personal development, that's when my mindset around money shifted quite a bit. And again, the whole time I was doing wealth management, which is Mm -hmm. kind of funny. Um, but my personal beliefs around money kind of shifted and I realized that there's plenty of money out there. You just have to figure out ways to use what you're good at to make money. 
And do you think it was when you're, you know, the whole like money doesn't go on trees and those type of things? Yeah, I think we all kind of heard that a lot. Was that more to be very conservative with money and like, you know, if you have it, save it, put it under the mattress type thing and, you know, be very safe? Like, is that the thought you got out of it? Or was there other things that, you know, you kind of had to deal with or, or overcome? Yeah, I would say that there was a little bit of that. And then um, also like you never like the amount of money I always thought I could make, I was told I couldn't. Oh, okay. Right. Like yeah. it's not that easy. You can't do that. Blah, blah, you know, and just it, those beliefs stuck with me for a while until I realized that they weren't true for me. Mm. And then I could go higher than the ceiling that everybody else had placed on me. Yeah. And do you find, was that a lot with your upbringing? I, I maybe we were similar in that way. We're like, I was kind of like that same thinking you one, you don't have to have a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, that means something like you're bad or you're, you know, like, like if you're trying to get money, you're, you know, and, and then you start realizing well, that's not really true if you use money to, you know, in certain ways. But I think it was that ceiling that I saw with most folks, maybe that you're talking about is like, well, this is all I could do. And then you realize like, whoa, this was such like a small little subset of the entire world. Like, is that what you went through growing up? Did you have those self-limiting beliefs around you? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I kind of talk about it in some of my like uh, webinars and different things like that is I almost felt stuck, right? Like I had hit a position where my life was on repeat and I was kind of just doing the same thing over and over. And I'm like, this is going to be the rest of my life. This is as good as it gets, Mm. you know, Um, because I was, I guess, lucky in the fact that between my hard work and everything, I was, you know, making really good money in my 20s and had gotten to a level that everybody told me I could get to. And then I kind of just got comfortable there and stopped, if you will. And like, just kept going around doing the same thing. And it wasn't until I jumped into, again, my personal development that I realized all of those comments people had told me earlier weren't true for me and that I could make more money and do more. Yeah. Did you put it like, um, maybe good to explore if you're open to it. Cause I, cause I kind of see myself in that way. Well, one, I got into a lot of debt. Um, when I was in my 20s. And and it took probably close to eight years to get debt free and really carve my way out. Did you have any challenges with that? Or was it just more, you were kind of making to your point, like there was a cap you put on yourself, and you're kind of just spinning the wheels, um, and not really advancing more and and moving your lifestyle or your uh, maybe ambitions forward because of where you're at, based on what you were making or what money you're bringing in? Yeah, I wouldn't, the only debt I really had was student loan debt to get my MBA. Yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, it wasn't. Which that could be a lot of money depending yeah. on. Oh, it was a, it's a lot. <laughs> um, but I guess my point is I didn't have like a lot of consumer debt, like a lot of okay. people. I had the student loan debt. And again, I was making enough money where my lifestyle was, was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, incurring any debt living the lifestyle that I was. How did you get to like so you know again the podcast is all about getting started and it seemed like you had some shift and you've kind of alluded to a, a couple times already of there was some shift in mindset that happened around this personal development journey how did you discover that like maybe what was the turning point that even got you on that new path would did something just randomly happen or was it a series of events that you know kind of led up to it so it's actually a combination of both okay and uh, so yeah. I'd, you know, hit my career early, like I said, plateaued and felt stuck. And I was on vacation in the Cayman Islands, actually, just sitting on the patio, kind of overlooking the water. And I had nothing to do all day, which 
at that time was like unheard of for me. And, you know, first thing in the morning, just sitting there and I had this just wave of like freedom and cleansing just come over me. And I sat there just believing that anything I wanted to achieve, I could. And like my entire past and everything was just washed away. Mm. And it was a very freeing experience for me. Um, but then obviously I came home and life was normal and all the normal chaos was occurring. And, you know, I was like, oh my God, I need to get back to that place in my life. Not the vacation, but right, like internally, I know it's possible that I can have these feelings and have this sense of freedom and accomplishment. I need to get back there. And so I spent the next five years doing personal development, going to retreats and doing everything I could to get myself anchored in that place. Could you find like when you got out of that zone, if let's just call it that, right? That kind of mindset, that, that stream of thought, how did you get yourself back into it? So you mentioned obviously being, you know, on vacation and, and, and kind of overcoming that or uncovering that. How did you do that as life got back to quote unquote normal? How could you separate yourself and your mind and, and get away? What were some of the the tactics, if you will, that you used? Yeah. So, I mean, that is actually the reason why I created my course yeah. uh, is to teach people what took me five years to learn and teach it to them in like, you know, a few hours. Mm. Um, but for me, right. Meditation was a big thing because as you silence your mind, you realize that, you know, you're not your thoughts and your thoughts are constantly barraging you with negativity. And once you realize like those can be false for you and they don't, you don't have to hold them as a truth. That's a very freeing experience. Mm. Um, it also, you know, I had a lot of OCD and stress. And as I let that thing that go, I, I sense more freedom and fulfillment in my day which led to even more, you know, freedoms in my life. Uh, And then it slowly just started building from there. Whereas today, like, I truly enjoy my life. I accomplish more than I did back in the day. I'm happier. Most people think I have like a very calm demeanor and enjoy my presence. So yeah, that's, you seem very very calm. So were you not always like this? Were you kind of was there a totally different um, approach you took to conversations or just life in general before you kind of had this switch or? Oh yeah. So I was again, like stressed out, anxious, major OCD, mm-hmm. trying to control every aspect of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is just a vicious circle of you can't control it. So you're stressed about it and you're anxious about what's going to come up next, you know, and that was just kind of the day, you know? So well, let me ask you this from a standpoint of, you know, I, I'm really big on this getting unstuck, right? Because we, we've we all, you know, maybe even, you know, younger, I look at younger Brian, where it took me so long to finally, you know, kind of unlock that in myself. Mm-hmm. How did you uncover the next step? Meaning, you had the vacation, you had the thought process, like, well, this is great. What we most of us do is we go back to our daily lives, and we just kind of like, eh, just how it is. I can't wait for vacation next year or whatever it is. How did you make the the choice and the decision to say, I got to see this through a little bit more. I got to take that next step. So you, I mean, cause that takes a lot going to retreats and taking courses and you know, maybe it's mentors, all that stuff. What really triggered you to do that and take that next step? Cause I think that's what a lot of folks are trying to bottle up and figure out, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I would say there's two things. One, I'm a high achiever in general. So if I know I can do something, I figure out how to get it done. Um, and then I was also lucky in that I'd had experienced what it could feel like. Right. And so, because I knew the freedom that I could feel, I knew it was real. And so it was a lot easier for me to like do the work to get it. Yeah. So with your, so one of the things you're doing, so obviously, you know, being a wealth advisor and you did that for a lot of years, are you still doing that actively with some of the other uh, coaching that you're doing? Yeah. Or, so, I mean, we've niched down my, my partner and I've niched down our practice a lot. Okay. So we do a very specific um, type of planning for a 1031 exchange real estate, which is basically a tax deferred exchange. Okay. Um, so we, that's specifically what we've niched down to now. So yeah, we still do that. We've been doing it for over a decade. Hmm. Well, the reason I ask that because, you know, a lot of us, our identities are tied to our jobs, our rule, yeah. you know, or what we do every day, right? What brings us in, you know, the bacon, if you will. How did you make that switch? Again, maybe this is part of that journey um, to be able to turn that down. Again, you didn't completely get away from it. Maybe you enjoy it. And, and obviously there's some maybe financial um, things that come with it. But how did you at least dial that down and start moving in a different direction? What are some of the things maybe that you did or maybe, I don't know, again, maybe it was things that you um, read or talked through or what have you to get to that point. Again, that bridge that you created from full-time wealth advisor to now personal development, coaching, online programs, et cetera. Yeah. So I guess it's similar to the name of your podcast, Brian, right? It's like, just get started. So when I got back, you know, again, it took me like six months of trying to figure out how to start. Right. Because like, it has to be perfect. I didn't want to waste time, you know, like all those right. mental thoughts. Right. 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 Um, so I was doing a lot of different things, right. Sales training, different types of mentoring, spiritual development, like you name it. Like I was just doing it all, but I was doing it outside of my work time. Um, and then I did some training where they talked about, right. The 80, 20 rule. And I was like, okay, if I focus on my 20%, I could be more effective in my job. And still have time to do all this other development and like grow as a person. And that's what I started doing. And that's how today I have the niche of right the 1031 exchange real estate for finance, uh, because that was my 20%. And that freed up the rest of my time to do all these other things in spiritual development. Mm. So, you know, once I got to that point, I literally made a list of, you know, a few things I was going to get done and just started doing them. So all at the same time, I decided to break away my financial practice and just do the exchanges. I decided to write a book and I decided to learn how to sell all at the same time. That's a lot. It's a lot to, to uh, knock off at once. But to your point, if you're managing your time, if you're prioritizing correctly, and it seemed like maybe you had some of that in your DNA, as you mentioned, kind of this ambition, you know, and, and, and you kind of knew how to uh, push yourself to get things accomplished. So I'm assuming that was a very helpful uh, characteristic to have, I guess, at that time. One yeah. of the things I want to sidestep just for a second, I want to get back to that, though. But um, when we change a lot in a short period of time, one of the big things that gets affected is our support systems around us or relationships. Because people that were around are like, wait, you know, wait, 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 wait who's that Ken? Wait, that's not the same guy from six months ago or a year did you notice a change in relationships and, and who you spent time with and how you spent time with them? Was that a, a huge thing for you to get, um, I guess, comfortable with, but also for them? Yeah. So 
again, I don't think most people would think a year is a quick change, but I'm glad you thought that was fast because that's how long real change takes, right? Yeah, um, it takes a lot of time. It's not, it's yeah. not overnight. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, please don't say it changed overnight because that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually didn't notice the change in myself before other people did, right? And I think that's because I spend so much time, obviously everybody spends the most time with themselves, right? So you don't really notice like those small changes, mm -hmm. but everybody else does because they, you know, whenever they see you. And so, yeah, immediately everybody's like, Ooh, what are you talking about? Why are you saying that? Like, what are you doing? Yep. It was a lot of questions. So in the beginning, I didn't even tell anybody what I was doing. Right. So all my retreats and meditations and different trainings, no one really knew I was doing them because I didn't want their negativity. Yep. And then, so I built in the routine myself before everybody started noticing and talking about it to the point where at that time, you know, I already knew I was going to do them. And so whether they said, you know, you should or shouldn't, I was going to move forward. And did you, have you noticed the relationships change? Meaning have you brought new people into your life that are more supportive? Have you cut some folks out that maybe weren't as supportive? Like did I, I, again, the reason I'm asking is because I don't think I'm alone in this as I made a big shift a, a handful of years ago, um, really changing the mindset and what I wanted to do in the world. It, cut out folks from my life not that they were bad people it's just we didn't mesh as well we didn't we didn't um there wasn't an understanding as much there and then there was a lot of new folks that came in that were supportive and generous with their time and and had similar thought process of, of again wanting to change the world in a positive way so i'm curious if you went through that same thing as well oh yeah um i would say i cut a lot of people out and then the people that i couldn't cut out hundred percent for whatever reason it might be. I'm just very protective of what I share with them because I don't mm -hmm. want to hear their opinions, right? If I, if I know you're going to be negative and for some reason, like family or whatever, I have to be around you, um, then I'm just not going to share. And so a lot of people will be like, Oh, why don't you tell us what's going on? I'm like, because I don't want, I mean, I can't tell them this, but I'm like, I don't want your negativity. So I'll keep it super short and just go on with my day. Yeah. And then, yeah, the new friends that I brought into my life are, you know, achieving at a, high, a level higher than me. And they're like inspiring to me now. So, and then I got new mentors, everything shifted up. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that's, I think when you start, you know, kind of weeding out some folks, again, not, not saying in a negative way, but just kind of like, I want to spend more time with less people, Yeah, you know, um, because they're the ones that really fill up, you know, your cup and then vice versa, you hope, you know, it'd be mutual as well. Yep. Um, I want to go back to, you know, talking about setting up the course and writing and those type of things. How did you know those were the things you wanted to do? Like, did you like to write or did that just something that kind of came and said, you know what, this is a cool idea. Let me try that. Like, how did you figure out, okay, these are the avenues I'm going down. What, what did that ideation process look like for you? Yeah. I'd like to say just all happened at once. <laughs> um, I think so many people, you know, again, being in like, professional environment I was always talking to different people and doing a lot of networking and a lot of them had always said like they wanted to have a book or like it was a goal for them to have a book and you know I'd heard different different trainings you should have a book so when I had my kind of epiphany moment if you will that was one of the things I'm like okay so many people say they want to do this but never do I'm going to put that on my list and I was a fine I am a finance person uh, so right words necessarily aren't like what I'm good at. I didn't think of myself as an author. I'd rather look at a spreadsheet than a, you know, a page of words. Yeah. Um, but 
so that was how the book writing came into it. It was just, again, most people want to achieve it, never do. Since I was on this path of achievement, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the hard things first, writing a book, let's go. And then I just got started. Well, so I got to ask though, because I knew, I mean, writing children's books and, and again, writing a full length book. Now I blog a few times a week, like writing is a pain in the neck in terms of like, it, the you know, like I love, I think it's the Stephen Pressfield in uh, the, the war of art that uh, says it best is like, it's not, it's not actually sitting down and writing. That's the pain. It's the act or it's not actually doing the writing. It's the act of sitting down and writing getting to the point of actually writing when you're writing, it's cool, but like getting to that point. So did you have a lot of uh, resistance actually writing the book, putting words, the paper, as you said, like putting it all together and saying like, wow, this is actually something logical that people can read and understand. Like, how did that process go for you if you weren't a writer? Yeah. So in my, I created a morning routine and I start every day with a meditation and some other things. And then I knew that if I wanted to write the book, I needed to make that part of my routine. So every morning after my meditations and morning rituals, I would start writing and I would sit down no matter what and, and, and write for at least, you know, half an hour. Mm. You know, there was days where that half an hour was a struggle, right? You're like, Oh my God, like the words aren't coming. I'm just not in flow. Like what is yeah. going on? And then there's other days, right? You sit down and you're like, okay, I got it. And you'd write for two hours, right? But it was that that habit of every day sitting down and just creating that muscle memory. Yeah. So I didn't have to think about it, right? It wasn't hard for me to get in the chair and start writing because I did it every day. Yeah, so. that's a great point. Yeah, the actually I'm reading, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a book by Anne Lamott called uh, Bird by Bird. And for any, anyone listening in that's writing or wants to write, I, I think it's an absolutely unbelievable book. Um, about the writing process, but she talks about, she does that exact same thing because she learned it from her dad who was a writer. And every single day, he just like 9 a.m., she said, he'd go into his office and 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 he'd write. And he like made it like, I got to do it every day. So I like that you've, you know, you kind of mapped it out and realized I got to do this or I'm probably not going to get done. You know, you're probably going to, six months is going by, you're like, oh, I have one paragraph if you don't map it out. So exactly. The, uh, how did you know what you were going to write on is, is another thought I always have is like, you know, did you have a outline of it first? Did you kind of just start typing and see what came out? Like, what was the, what was the basis for the book when you, I, like when you started the first idea and did it end up like that? Or was it completely different at the end? Um, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people have the same struggles in not knowing what they want. Right. So you can ask people what they don't want and they'll tell you all day long. Right. But if you ask them what they want, maybe they have one or two things and they're superficial, but like deep down, most people don't take the time to understand what it is that they truly want. And that's what I wanted to help with. Um, because in general, just talking to people, whether it be their finances or just in life, that's the hardest, you know, question for them to answer. So I was like, okay, I want to talk about that. This is what I'm going to write about. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that a little bit, because that may help folks that are getting started is like, what was the reason? Like, why are why are people hesitant to know what I guess to share that maybe they know deep down, but they just don't want to share it. I don't don't know. What what did you discover with that? Like, what's the answer most folks give then? Well, yeah, so that's that's the crazy thing. No one really does answer it. When I was writing the book, no one had that answer. And when people were giving me feedback after they'd read the book, 
people would tell me, right? Cause like one of the first things we, we go through in the book is creating a personal vision statement, mm. right? Of like something you can read every day that's inspiring, that wants to keep you moving, moving forward. And it's kind of like what you're trying to achieve in life. And I didn't have one person come to me and say, I had a vision statement. Mm. And every, most people are like, Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Or like, I don't even know what that means or right. Like, uh, and then I got a lot of feedback from people that said, you know, especially if they're like forties, fifties, um, that they'd hit all their societal goals. And now the idea of a goal or vision was like lost to them yeah. because they really didn't know what to do next. No one like told them what to do next. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I have evolved the book into a course to go deeper into like the vision and values and things like that. So that people have a framework and a foundation to have the success they want in life. Yeah. You know, this is funny. I just had a conversation this morning. I was having coffee with a, a friend of mine. And we were talking about this where everyone has this vision, or at least what we were told growing up, maybe it's different now, I guess. I'm trying to think I have a nine-year-old, so I'm trying to think of, I don't really tell this to him about retirement and stuff, because I'm like, that whole idea is like the number, like, oh, I got to get to 55 or 60 or 65. And like, that's the, like, that's the finish line. And then, and, but we were talking about, and and, and he, and he's an entrepreneur, he has his own business that he started a couple years back. So it's kind of, he understands is like, what happens when you get there? Like, what do, we, what do we do? Most people lose their focus on, because they were all about work, work, work. And then it's like, what am I going to do all day? <laughs> you know, like, what, what am I, what's, what's like filling me up? And I'm assuming that that's what a vision statement can really help give guidance to folks on like, what, what's, because I'm so big on like the, what's going on now? Forget about 20 years. Yeah, sure. Put money away, whatever. But like, you got to focus on now or you're not going to be happy in 20 years, you know? I mean, so what you're probably finding, I guess, when you talk to these folks, like they're, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, so that's was like the balance that I tried to strike in the course, right? Is having that vision for the future so you understand kind of where you want to go, mm. but then taking it back to today and understanding the decisions you make today yeah. affect where you end up. So it's the balance of the two, right? Of like live for today, enjoy it, have fulfillment and have a destination in mind so you can weave your way in that direction and while they whether you hit it or not at least you're going in the direction you want not just spinning your wheels and not moving anywhere yeah so now, how much do you think um and i don't you, you you may not have a percentage here but i'm just kind of your estimation the folks you're working with or maybe this is just in in other conversations doing you know wealth advisement over the years and stuff of folks not getting started with whatever project it was because of financials, whether it was, I don't have enough money or I'm in debt or I'm scared to put some on the line. Like how much would you think that is a part of not making a decision to do something? I would say it's a big part of it, you know, and I don't think it's just for finance. I think it's for most, most things, right? People don't know that it's going to work and they, they get that risk and they'd rather be comfortable in where they are today. Mm-hmm than to risk maybe not being successful and making the jump. Uh, so, and then we all know, like, right, if you don't get started, you probably never will. Or it's five years down the road and you're like, dang, I wish I would have did that before. Yeah. And you just never did, Yeah, you know? So, but again, that's why I think that having that vision, right, something you could read every day to keep you motivated and kind of your North Star, you can make sure your actions are in alignment and just continually move forward in a seamless manner. 
Yeah. And, and from a, a money standpoint, I guess one more question on that. Cause I'm again, my curiosity from your brain, cause it's probably like I said, way more filled out from a financial standpoint than mine. When folks are thinking about, so let, let's say someone's listening in and they're 25 even, and they're just starting to save some money. Maybe they're just in their first job. Is there an encouragement or two you would make of, of either how they should look at saving money, how they should, you know, go from what to spend, save, invest, those type of things. Like, is there any encouragement there so that they can get to a point where they could make the leap and try a project they want to do? It doesn't mean they have to leave a job, but they can start something. They could explore options. Anything you'd share with them? Um, I mean, the most motivating thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is the benefit of compounding, right? So just look at how, you know, I think there's a lot of memes and different things about like the compounding of a penny over 30 days. Right. Right. And I think that should be motivating to most people because when, when you're only saving a little bit of money early on, you're just getting started. You're like, why is, why is this useful? What's the benefit? Yeah. You know, and early on your contributions are going to be higher than your gains, but eventually you're going to get to a point where, right. The gains in the portfolio are higher than your contributions. And then you're going to feel good about it. And then the numbers just continually get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then I'd say, if you have like a side product inside of you or something you want to do, right. Creating a dedicated account for that mm-hmm. and knowing like what you need to get started. That way you can, again, a t- a focus some energy in that account and know like there's a motivation behind it because you're trying to get to this next thing so that you can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's a great point to, you know, to almost see this as a, just like if someone would put money away to buy a car or to do anything, like it's creating a separate fund for this project. I like that. And I guess it doesn't have to be a percentage. It's just what you feel might be adequate enough to get started with that, you know, whatever that is for that particular project. So is there, um, besides, I guess, like 401k stuff that you'd put away, maybe if you're at a role, is there other, um, and, and again, we, we can with the disclaimer, it's not financial advice, you know, whatever, this is just your, your thoughts. Um, would you say, is there another like type of account they should look at if they're doing it individually versus again, like going through their company's 401k match and, and those type of things or. Yeah. I mean, depending on, obviously how much somebody makes and different things like that, right? A Roth IRA, if you can open one, is a great account. If you can't, just a regular IRA, right? Any way that you can, you know, put some tax-free money aside Mm -hmm. or tax-deferred, depending on the account type, um, is great. Uh, The other thing I'd say is sometimes just having that dedicated account, even if it's a bank account, and being able to see it every day adds a lot to like your, your mindset and the momentum that you'll create. You know, I actually have an example in the book about somebody that wanted to save $50,000 for for a side project, basically, and knew that like with that amount of money, she'd feel a lot better about life and her ability to, you know, take risks and do the things that she wanted to do. And, you know, for months, she didn't do anything because she hadn't gotten started. Right. You know, so we talked about, hey, just open an account, put a hundred bucks in it. And like, let's just see what happens. You know, but like, again, signing in, seeing that account, hundred bucks, like oh, I have a hundred bucks today or like whatever, right. You just put money in it. And next thing, you know, sooner than you thought you have your goal. So again, those dedicated accounts could be really useful. Yeah. And you could probably do it more automated too. So you don't even have to think about it. It's not like, Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'll have the hundred dollars. It's like, Nope, I have the hundred. I have to do the hundred every day. This is like priority. I have to do yep. it, you know? Exactly. Um, 
What, uh, I guess the, I want to ask one more question on your course, um, still in su- to success one, why did you name it that? So like, you know, cause that's always curious to me naming, you know, I just get started, you know, like, it, it, so it's always curious to me on that. Um, and then, like I said, let, let's say if someone went through it, what's the expectations? We talk about the value statement, um, or their kind of, you know, kind of thought process to, to help them strategize kind of their, their decisions, but what's kind of the, is it, uh, one-on-one coaching? Is it, uh, videos there? What's kind of the breakdown? Like, how does it, how does it look for someone that would be, yeah. you know, going through it? So the name stillness to success, uh, came because my success catapulted when I found my stillness. And so for people just getting started or feeling stuck or lost, the foundation is stillness. And then the success builds from there. So that's why stillness to success. Mm, okay. um, and uh, so the course itself, we teach people how to meditate, a very simple practice. I'm a Chopra certified meditation instructor because mm. uh, I think it's an easy and useful like uh, meditation to learn. It helps you learn it quickly. And then from there, you have your, you know, you're rooted in your stillness. And then we go through your core values, your vision, your mission, your goals in the short term. We just focus on the one-year goals. Again, because I want you to, to be able to see the end result and feel a connection to it. Yeah. And if it's in a one-year goal, you probably know all the steps that you should do to do it. Yeah. We focus on that and then use the vision again as like your long-term goal. And then we break that all down into a daily practice. And then there's a journal that along with it that helps you just kind of formulate your morning so that you can have the success you want. Mm, nice. What, um, I guess with, I, I like to ask this from like a, you know, you, you made the, maybe this is the bold bet, but like, what was the bold bet you took on yourself? Cause I think sometimes we always have to take, like maybe roll the dice a little bit. Sometimes it's an educated decision, but is the bold bet for yourself going through these courses and, and that change, or would it be something totally different? Like something that you kind of knew that was maybe outside your comfort zone a ton. Can you share any story from your life that would uh, encompass that, I guess? Well, I think my life is a bold bet. Um, right. So being a financial advisor, independent advisor, right. That's you're betting on yourself, hundred percent commission. Like you got to go out and earn it. Um, writing the book, all of that success. And then I'd say probably the most impactful to me now, uh, was I did a week in silence. And for me, I was like, okay, business, all these other things going on, all these demands, I don't think there's like two minutes that I'm not on a phone call or a text or an email. Mm. How am I going to, you know, spend five days in silence in a week away from the office? Um, but I did that a few years ago for the first time. And now it's become an annual like event for me. And the goal with the course is actually in the next you know, few years to host our own, you know, five days in silent retreats, because I think it's that profound of an impact on individuals. Okay. So I got to ask this because, because I, I, I've heard other folks do this. Like, what, so you go someplace, you might chit chat at the beginning, say, say your hellos and pleasantries and all that. And then do you just like sit in, like, are you sitting in the same room with other folks? Are you totally disconnected by yourself? Are you just doing this by yourself at home? Like what's, what's the five days look like? And I, I'm very intrigued by this. Yeah. Um, 
most people are intrigued by it. that's again why like i want to eventually host them because i'm like you oh should God, to make you this so good should. yes so we gotta start with the course because if I, I was here today and been like hey brian i want your audience and you to come do five days in silence with me it'd be like you're crazy yeah um so yeah the first day you get there and it was in a group i think it'd be really hard to do it in your house just because you kind of got to get away from it all mm-hmm. um, so you can relax um, so yeah first day and the last day is pleasantries hi how are you great to meet you um the first time i went i was again extremely nervous like what am i doing this is five days like work like what's going to happen and having that first day to interact with people and just hear how many people have done it numerous times i mean the first person i met he had done it 17 years in a row and i was like okay there's clearly some like benefit to this if you do this every year for 17 years uh so i was able to relax and so for me, I didn't listen to music, watch TV, read, write, or do anything or speak, obviously, uh, for those five days. But you are walking around in nature, like you see people, but you don't interact with them uh, or say anything. And so everybody's journey is unique to themselves. And you get to like work through the issues that are going on in your head, right? Because that's, that's who you're having a conversation with for the five days, right? It's you and your thoughts. And as you realize that your thoughts aren't necessarily true, they're not necessarily real for you, and they never stop, it's a very freeing experience. And, it, and now today I use it as like a complete reset. What was, what was the hardest day of the five? So, well, that's a good question. Uh, I would say the first <laughs> three days were really tough. Okay. Um, day one right? You're like, you're trying to get used to it, especially your first year. You're like, okay, what, what is going on? Is this crazy? Like, what's going to happen to me? What thoughts are going to come up right now? You're worried about a thought that you might have. It's crazy. Um, and that happened for me until again, day three. And then day three was a very freeing experience because I was able just to let everything go. I was like, I'm here for the five days. These thoughts that I thought were going to happen, haven't happened. Like, let me just relax into the moment and the process and into the stillness. And you said you didn't write any notes or anything like that. You just, you kind of just let your mind just go free and just kind of thought through it. Yep. What would you change different the next time you do it? So I'm leaving in two weeks to do it again. So when this, oh. rec- when this airs, I actually might already be back. Um, so... We may have to do like an Instagram live or something and talk through right. just that, that process though. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do? I, I don't know. I try not to go in with any expectations um, because at this point, again, it's just me and my thoughts. So whatever is just like one level down from my consciousness is going to come out and I'm just going to have to like process through that. But the one thing I'd say that is different this year is prior years. I've always done that at, at the beach which is like, for me, the ocean is a very like freeing uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I'm actually doing it uh, in Yosemite. So Ooh. it's a very different environment. So I think that'll bring some different clarity too. Awesome. Yeah. That'd be, that's that's going to be pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to, to hear how it goes and what you learn from this experience. Yeah. You know, I think with, uh, with COVID and everything else that's going on right now, there's a lot of tension. Yeah. And like, it's going to be great for me just to be able to step out of it all and just like, again, relax, recenter and find some deeper stillness. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this here and uh, I'll get you out of here. 
is if you had to go back to, you know, someone getting started, let's say they're, they're, you know, well, it could be anyone, any age. I like to say, if you're going back talking to your younger self, it's always fun. Um, but the cool thing is you only have a post-it note. So it's a really short, you know, someone's putting it on their maybe computer if they're looking at it every day. What's one impactful piece of advice and insight? Maybe it's a quote, could be anything that you would share with them to help give them a little jolt, a little kickstart um, on their journey to getting started. Yeah. So if I was back and speak to myself, like the reoccurring thing that I think of, because again, I had my moment and changed my whole life based on like the one practice. Um, so I would, yeah, tell myself, like get out of my own head and meditate, you know? So with that, you know, I've kind of coined a phrase of like seize the second. And for me, what that means is, right. You have to be aware and conscious of like what's occurring around you, know what you want. So that way, when the opportunity arises, you can take advantage of it. And that encompasses kind of like the whole course and everything else, right. It's like slow down to the point where you can achieve what you want, but at the same time, live present and just be able to see all the opportunities ahead of you because there's opportunities for you to be successful all around you, mm -hmm. especially if you don't try to control it. Yeah. And I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I've been meditating for probably four years on and off. I don't do it every day. Um, and there's spurts. Sometimes I go, you know, months without doing it. But what I found similar to what you just mentioned is you, you get this, you get the stillness, but you definitely get more of the clarity, the more you do it. And it could be yeah. for two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be for, um, you know, an hour doesn't have to, you don't, you don't have to go away somewhere like just being in your own thoughts. It's just amazing how you start to figure yourself out and yeah. you start to become more present. So I, I definitely agree with you hundred percent. I mean, the meditation is such a huge key, um, to just having awareness in your life, you know? Yeah. Right. And again, so many people think that, you know, they're not going to have thoughts or they need an app or they need to go somewhere. It's like, you don't have to do that. And again, that's why I teach the Chopra meditation mm -hmm. It's because it's like, you sit down wherever you are, right. Just feel comfortable and safe. You say a mantra to yourself for 20 minutes and then you go on with your day. Like it's very simple. You don't need anything. So, yeah. you know, again, I just try to keep it uh, as easy and impactful as possible. Absolutely. Well, uh, Kevin, it's been awesome. Where, where can everyone say hello to you, look you up, find you online? Where's the best place to connect? Yeah. So you can go to kenclidoris.com. I'm sure you'll put it in the links. Will, below. Yeah. Everything will be in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. So I won't spell it for everybody. Uh, kenclidoris.com on Instagram at kenclidoris. And you can go to stillness to success.com for some free resources on just benefits of meditation and silence. Awesome. And it's been a fun kind. I know we we navigated the waters on a lot of different topics and kind of went all over the place. But uh, I certainly appreciate you being open and uh, transparent with stuff, giving some good insights, and uh, and look forward to staying in touch. Uh, yeah, me too. Forward. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things that get you going a little bit further on your journey, feel free to head over to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week, whether it's a new podcast I listen to, or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week. 
as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one to five-minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.